now listening to the Dynasty Rewind. Back to the Dynasty Rewind, everybody. I'm your host, Michael Bauer. Uh, not really a solo show. We don't have Chev, Porkman, or Garrett with us this week. However, we do have a very special guest. He's a great follow on Twitter. We have Jake Trowbridge. Trowbridge, I'm sorry. I asked you how to say it before the show, and I already said it wrong. Um, I feel like you set a trap for me there, where you asked me specifically, and just so you could do it the other way. I'm not the brightest man. We all know that. So he is with the Drinking and Talking Fantasy Football Podcast. Uh, Jake, tell us a little bit about yourself, how long you've been playing fantasy. Tell us about the podcast. Yeah, Mike, well, th- thanks for having me on, first of all. I, I appreciate it. Happy to come on and, and try my best to fill in for the others. I know it won't be quite the same, but I'll do what I can here. Uh, but you, you nailed it on the head uh, from the Drinking and Talking Fantasy Football Podcast. I host that uh, along with um, my my cohort Dustin Lunt, and uh, so we, we've been doing that for about a year, and it's it's been going well, uh, going pretty well so far. I think we're kind of finding our our groove, finding out how we we can help people win their championships. Of of which I'd like to think we've we've got a few especially this year. Uh, and we've been doing it while while drinking heavily. So that's always, <laughs> I think, the way to go. Now, you guys do that uh, in the same room. So you could, I don't know if anyone's drinking while we're doing the podcast. That's the thing. So Fair, yeah. fair. Yeah, we like know. to keep tabs on each other's drinking, you know, because okay. that's, that's who we are. <laughs> yeah. So technically, uh, no one knows, but this is actually Jake's second time on the podcast. Uh, we did try to record previously, and the audio was bad for some reason. So um, he was nice enough to um, he was nice enough to come back on. So Jake, glad to have you back again. Uh, about a year, so you're a little bit longer than us. We're at episode thirty-two. So yeah, not by much, yeah. not by much, to be fair. And you know, when we actually first started, we did uh, one of our models that we followed was the. Uh, uh, the fantasy footballers, which I think a lot of people tend to use them as a model, but uh, you know, when they first started out, they did it initially just for their league for the first year to kind of test some stuff out. So we said that's a good idea. So we did it. We did it for our home league, and uh, it was a little more or a little less PG at that time. We we got into some shenanigans. I think even a little bit more during that um, as we were ironing some things out because uh, there was only ten other people listening. And, and we really didn't care <laughs> what they thought about it. We just wanted to do it for fun. Um, but now we've made the full transition and, and we're rolling. And you could find your podcast anywhere. Uh, Spotify, Stitcher, I guess Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. You guys Absolutely. are out there everywhere. The full, the full gamut. We are out there and available for you. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Drinking Fantasy. You can find myself on Twitter at Jake Trowbridge or Trowbridge, however you decide to pronounce it. It's perfectly fine. <laughs> I thought it was Throwbridge at first. I'm not going to lie. And then I looked at it. And I'm like, there's no H in there. What is wrong with me? So um, do you guys do uh, like a YouTube or anything like that? We haven't hit the YouTubes. You know, we're just not quite there yet. We're still, we're, we're relatively old men, I think, in comparison to some of the folks who are, who are out there in the fantasy landscape. And maybe one day we might, we might figure it out. Part of us just doesn't, we don't want to show our faces any more than we have to also. Yeah, I was, I was always told I have the face for radio, but um, I'm thinking about doing the YouTube thing, but then it's going to be hard with people in different locations and I got to figure all that out. It's more equipment, more time. So I don't That's know. That's right. We'll see. So um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. See how it goes. So today we're going to be talking some off-season strategy. This is actually kind of one of my favorite things to talk about in all of fantasy, especially dynasty. Um, Jake, I'm assuming that you feel the same way, right? Because really building your team starts now, if you think about it. 
It does. The, the minute that championship game is over, that's when the next season begins. There is there is no off season. Yeah. Got any trade offers yet at all? You know, it really bums me out. Uh, no, um, but most of my leagues haven't opened up trading yet. Uh, okay. I found that to be common in a lot of my leagues is there'll be sort of a grace period where people want to, you know, let each other, I guess, unwind for the lack of a better word and take take a few moments off. So like in a couple of my leagues, it'll be a month in between uh, when waivers open up. It'll be a week or so uh, in between until trades open up again. Um, but I'm still, I'm still in the plotting phase right now. Yeah. So this actually, that question ties in perfectly because I'm the master of the segue. Let's put it out there. Um, <laughs> goes great into what we're talking about today. Yeah. Depending on what your team is doing, it really doesn't make any sense for you to sell some picks right now, right? If you're a rebuilding team. Yeah, it's if you are a rebuilding team, uh, of which I do have one. I have it, several, so you're good. It's it's kind of a it's it's one of the more interesting places to be in. I like to take over orphan leagues occasionally for that sole purpose. Is if it's a really bad league or a really bad team, rather, I don't know. There's something challenging and fun about doing that. So I, I really kind of like taking over those those god awful teams. But um, I have one of those, and yeah, you're right. There's really no reason to sell a pick now and for the biggest reason is those picks are only going to increase in value uh, from here until the draft so the closer you get to the rookie draft the more you're probably going to get for that pick anyhow so if you are that rebuilding team um, and you've already accumulated a bunch of picks my advice is always see what you can get the week of the draft the day of the draft for those because you can get some hauls in terms of uh, you know legit stud like or stud adjacent players for those picks, yeah, let let people sweat, let people panic a little bit before you move. I mean, what's the point of doing it now? I think a lot of times I don't know where you fall on this aspect here. Some people like to trade just to trade. Oh sure, and I've and, been caught doing that too. <laughs> yeah, now okay. At one point, I was like, well, I haven't made a trade in a while. But then I didn't find anything I wanted to do. I will say this. When I try to trade with somebody, I try to be as fair as possible. Um, I like to build a good trading relationship with people, whereas other people, they only care about themselves and screw the other team. So, um, but Those yeah, people are bad people. Let's be honest. Yeah, yes, they are. And they just want to win. And I get it. That's what this is all about. But, you know, especially if you have a home league where you draft all together and – you know, you hang out and watch games with each other. You want it to be civil. You want it to be fun. You know, that, that's the way I view it. Anyway. Civil to a point. Well, you know, I mean, I mean, we don't have to be school marms about it by any means. But yeah, there's there's a certain decorum I think that's supposed to be involved. You know, you're not you're not trying to uh, screw the other person over necessarily. A good trade is supposed to make both teams better just how it is you, you should never go out in my view being the guy who only makes trades that he quote unquote wins all the time because nobody wants yep. to trade with that guy you well, quickly I, exercise yourself from the trade block just by way of doing that yeah and one of the things that you can't do you can't ever ever do this is go all right do this trade with me it's going to look lopsided but if i win i'll give you x amount of money Oof. you can't yeah. do stuff like that you just That's get terrible. actually I wanted to bring this up to you. Um, so after the last time we talked, it was championship week. We had a guy in one of our leagues who was out. Um, he was out of the, in the first round of the playoffs. He just starts dropping all his studs on his team. And he puts a, a message up on sleeper. Merry Christmas, everybody. Luckily I was the commissioner and I was able to force everybody back on his team, but I messaged them and I go, dude, you can't do that. You can't, have two guys in the finals that rode their teams all the way there and how would you feel if you got beat up by another team that wasn't as good of a team as you but somebody dumped cmc on waivers or on as a free agent he was able to pick them up and win exactly that's it's just not in the competitive spirit of this thing you know there are there are little things that people do that like i i try not to um over commission you know, I want to let people run their teams the way that they want to run them, especially in Dynasty. Right. You know, um, redraft is a little bit different. But 
like I'll never veto a trade unless it is just clear cut collusion kind of things. You know, I've seen some real lopsided trades or, yeah. or trades that look real lopsided when they go down. Uh, but if you let it play out on a long enough timeline, it has a way of balancing itself out. But something like that, where you're purposely just throwing grenades into your league for no other reason than I guess you think it's funny or, or whatever, um, or you're bored or you just don't care, that, that's pretty lame in my view. Yeah. He's oh, I was just trying to be nice. It's like, well, you weren't. You're, <laughs> you're screwing everything up and it made more work for me. So, right. you know, talking about stuff like this, obviously redraft is a whole different animal you're a contender at the beginning of the year no matter what um but you have to assess your team are you a contender or are you rebuilding so that kind of ties in also to holding your picks as long as possible now if you're a team that you think you have a legit shot now is the time you want to try to acquire those picks because they're never going to be cheaper but then like you said if you're rebuilding you want to wait as long as possible to get as much as you can um but that being said, you know, obviously picks are one thing, players are another. Anybody just off the top of your head you're thinking about acquiring or selling right now? Yeah, I have a, a, a laundry list of guys. Right, the, the first thing that I try and do right after, the, like I said, right after the championship is over is make that assessment. So that's exactly perfect. So you got to look at your team, see where you're at. What it, and be honest. You know, don't, don't try and hype up your team if it's not really there. You know, and don't just rebuild for the sake of rebuilding, but be honest. Where are you? Um, where do you need to get to? But I have just a, a big old list of targets that I'm going after in my leagues right now. And it's it, typically they all fall into similar categories. It's, you know, what studs underperformed that uh, maybe it was due to just natural touchdown regression or bad overall offense or weird coaching changes, whatever it is. Um, injuries. Uh, so guys like Alvin Kamara, I'm going after. Okay. Uh, I don't think you could could get him cheaper uh, in the last two years than you can now. I um, would agree with that 100. percent Yeah, it's just it, and people look at his overall finish, and he's he's still was either a, a top 12 or borderline top 12 guy. Um, after last week, I'm sure he got back to the top 12, but oh, the, the, sure. what happened last week made it actually a little bit harder to acquire him, I think, but I'm still, still trying. Um, but guys like Odell Beckham, Brandon Cooks, um, there are these guys who just, uh, Juju is huge to try and get maybe TJ Hawkinson. Um, so there's that tier of like that borderline stud who kind of dropped down and then guys just that are maybe second year wide receivers didn't come out doing much the first year and then maybe their owners get a little impatient. And so if you can find that impatient owner who drafted a guy highly last year, but he's just been waiting because they haven't had that breakout quite yet. Yeah. Uh, those are guys that I'm trying to get to. I think you could probably, probably get Mike Williams at a decent deal right now, just because, I mean, he had that major touchdown regression. We don't know what's going to happen in, Los Angeles. It still feels weird saying Los Angeles. I always want to say San Diego. Agreed. <laughs> yeah. Just go back to San Diego. Yeah, it feels you know better. I mean? It comes off the tongue easier. Yeah, like Los Oh, oh well, so-and-so in Los Angeles, then you get to go, which Los Angeles? Right. You know, And now the Raiders are moving to Las Vegas. California's all screwed up. The only constant is the 49ers. <laughs> California just needs to drop all teams except the 49ers and make them move elsewhere. There's this whole chunk in the middle of the country that doesn't have any teams. Let's shove them out there. You know, that's actually a pretty good point. There is. So uh, you're from the Midwest. Um, Indeed. There's... You're up there. You got the Packers and you are a Packers fan, correct? This is correct. Okay. And then the Vikings are up there. They are. We don't and, talk about them, but they're there. Yeah. Well, the Eagles can't <laughs> beat the Vikings for some reason lately. Um, and then after that, like I guess down to Kansas City and you have Denver, but that's, that's a ways away. It is. I mean, I don't know. Throw Kentucky a bone or something. Just somebody. Yeah, how about the Dakotas? One of them. You Perfect. know what I mean? New England shares a team. Why not the Dakotas? That's so true. That's yeah. so true. So, um, hey, speaking of Denver, what do you what do you think about a guy like uh, Drew Locke? Would you be looking to acquire him? He looks to be the guy moving forward. Yeah, I I really really like Drew Locke. I liked him coming in. Um, 
I, I knew that there was very little chance of him putting up anything this year. Um, and lo and behold, though, when he did get the chance in those, those few starts, he, I thought he looked great. Uh, and, and I'm not much of a film guy who can analyze quarterback play down to the nitty gritty, but dude, dude looked like a baller. Um, and in oh, fact, yeah. I have him in every single dynasty league already. So I'm not really in a position to go get him cause I, I just have him. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm huge on him this next year. So, you know, speaking about going and getting players, I think it's also really important too to know how to value a player. I don't. Sure. So, I'm on the Dynasty Nerds uh, page on Facebook, and there's always a lot of trade talks on there, and it's a good sounding board for people when they want to know, you know, should I do this or should I do that? Um, some people's comments are more helpful than others. Let's put it that way. <laughs> um, but you obviously you don't want to undervalue a player, overvalue a player when you're trying to get them. Um, a guy like Drew Locke, for example. Now, if it's super flex, he's going to cost more. What do you think a good value for a guy like him would be in just a one quarterback dynasty league? In one quarterback leagues, I don't uh, send a first round pick for any quarterback. That's just a rule okay. that I have. Um, even in your deep leagues where people are rostering three plus quarterbacks i just don't i don't do it because there's so many we saw it this year guys come available that you don't expect to be available that are starters all of a sudden and now they are you know valuable assets so unless it's a guy like lamar jackson or patrick mahomes um i'm just not i'm not about doing that so like a, a second round pick i'd be very comfortable moving a second round pick for drew lock and i think that that's very reasonable. Um, I don't know how many people are as high on him as maybe we are, but um, that would be my range. Yeah, I like that. You know, and, and one of the things that I always think of is um, one of the most important positions on your team is depth. You have to have good competitive depth. That being said, too, um, make sure you save your fab money. Don't, try not to blow it all at once. Um, it was in a championship game and. I had Chris Godwin go down. Obviously, he was a huge factor in me getting there. I was able to put a $50 bid on Brashad Perryman. Um, he Oof. did well. You know, I didn't win, but um, I was also up against the Drew Brees and Michael Thomas stack. So, yeah, Perryman's great, but he's not going to be able to compete with that. <laughs> that yeah, it's, it, it's, it's one of those things. Off. I'm watching the game, too. It's like, oh, well, we're going for this record today. I'm like, come on, man. <laughs> Couldn't you wait until next week? <laughs> that record next week? Can't you get the record next week? And I see Sean Payton standing on the sidelines smirking. And I'm like, I hate you. Yeah, didn't so, it feel like he was smirking at you in that yeah, situation? You know, and I'm an Eagles fan. It's like, I haven't been kicked enough while I'm down. Oh, you got to do this to me? Really? That's rough. Hey, speaking of that, so where are you? Where would you value Carson Wentz? And after a year like this, where do you even put him for Dynasty long term? So he has quietly had a very good season. I just – not a lot of people are talking about him that I can tell. Um, he needs two – as of right now, uh, we are one, two, three days before the next game. Or is it four? I don't know. I've been off of work for a while. Um, <laughs> 258 yards in his next game will put him over 4,000 yards. Now, this I never knew. No Eagles quarterback has ever thrown for 4,000 yards in a season. That's wild. Isn't it? When you think of how long they had Donovan McNabb on the team, and um, he, they were in a very pass-heavy offense. But it's crazy. And he's throwing to nobody. He I was going to say he's got no one and more. a half receivers out there, basically. Yeah, really. Um, so right now, I'm going to say – if it's a super flex league, you're obviously going to pay more. I'd say like a mid first round pick would probably get it done. You might need to do a little bit more, um, but you could probably get them cheaper if it's a one QB league, maybe f- late first, early second. And people um, still probably associate, and maybe this is just me being on Twitter too much, but I feel like people still kind of associate him with that that injury prone tag, which to mm-hmm. be fair, I don't I don't think is accurate necessarily. Um, I get that he has missed games due to injury, but he just 
it's not been consistently the same type of injury, which is, I, that's the one thing that really, maybe this is a tangent, but it does kind of bum me out how many people confuse injury prone with just a guy who's happened to be injured a right. bit. So you know? in the year that they went to the Super Bowl, he tore his ACL and it sucked. How yeah. many NFL players have not had a torn ACL? <laughs> Eight total. <laughs> yeah. Last year, he had a fractured back, which is roughly the same injury that Matt Stafford had this year. The offensive line was bad when he got hurt. He was getting hurt all the time or getting hit all the time. So it's one of those things. Now, for an injury-prone guy, he's played every game this year. So yeah, That's big. So yeah. if you can use that to your advantage, you know, if somebody who still sees him that way and is just trying to unload him before, you know, the next injury comes along – Man, those are, those are the kind of discounts that I love to get when I can when I can find them. Yeah, and you know, when you're trying to buy a guy like Carson Wentz, I would throw out like, um, well, you know, they got no receivers. All they have is Ertz, but he's banged up all the time, and they might move on from him, and they might get a new offensive coordinator and this and that, blah blah blah. You, you could you could work it, however, you know. But yeah, he, he's actually had, really had a good season. He's thrown a touchdown pass also in like 18 straight games too, which I did not know. Wow. Yeah, so he actually is really fun to watch play too. He's very elusive, which for, for how big he is is surprising. Like he kind of looks like Russell Wilson back there a little bit. Now, he's not as elusive as Russell. Russell's smaller, so he can kind of get under people's arms. You know what I mean? For sure, for but, sure. Um, hey, you know what? Let's flip it to you. Would you be trying to buy Aaron Rodgers in Dynasty right now? Uh, it, uh, me and uh, and my co-host had this discussion recently, uh, not on the podcast, but just we were sitting watching the game, uh, the Vikings game, and we just couldn't we couldn't remember a time where he's been so inefficient and he's been asked to do uh, nothing basically <laughs> to win games. You know, he really hasn't had to do much for them. And so we were kind of torn of, is this just what he is now? You know, is he becoming a little bit more of a game manager with that defense that he has? Or is it just him being, it's the first year in a new offense with a new head coach? And I tend to fall on that side of things. I think it's a new offense. Even somebody like him, uh, they're not going to go out and just let him chuck it downfield. They want to establish certain things, primarily Aaron Jones in this case. As they should. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And and he's been crushing it, but I expect his touchdown uh, regression to hit pretty hard, Aaron Jones. And some of that should then favor Aaron Rodgers next year. So, yeah, I would say I'm comfortable buying him. I guess you could say it would be a buy low situation. It would be great, too. They're almost in a similar situation as Philadelphia. Aside from Devontae Adams, their wide receiving core – I mean, they had these guys had so many chances to really step up, and I know it's got to be frustrating for you as a Packers fan. It's great. <laughs> no, it's it's really frustrating um, to see he yeah is just not getting any help. And when you know your second pass catcher is Aaron Jones, um, that doesn't bode well for for your quarterback. And so I don't know if they plan to infuse that group much coming into this this offseason, um, whether it be with the draft or trade, free agency, whatever. Um, but I, I hope so, because if he does get a couple of actual bona fide receivers or if they lean on their better receivers, you know, get MVS out of there, get Geronimo out of there, put in the guys who can actually catch a ball, yeah. get Lazard some playing time, whatever. But if they can figure that out, if they can get it clicking, um, and if Jay Sternberger comes on, like I, I kind of hope that he will oh, next year. Me too. I own him in so many different places. And I think that's going to be really, I think that's going to bode well, because how long do you expect Jimmy Graham to keep hopping down the field? You know, I, I hope not more than four games. <laughs> I hope that after <laughs> that, he is gone. Yeah. Hey, I would understand that. It, He's a frustrating guy, too, because he's up and down all over the place, and he always finishes – his finish looks better than if you're tracking it throughout the season. You know what I mean? For sure, for sure. Yeah, and he's a guy – he's going to – when he's on your bench, he's 
tight end one. When he's in your lineup, he's just a big stinking turd. That's my experience with Jimmy Graham. Yep, and that so, pretty much just comes down to touchdowns. Is it does he get a touchdown this game or does he not? You yeah. know, and if he gets a touchdown, you're happy. If he doesn't, it sucks. <laughs> and you know what? Here, this this kind of ties in too. One of uh, the things that I like to do in the offseason is dump aging players and try to acquire young talent with upside. So Jimmy Graham, he's a guy that you want to try to dump. Right? Oh, yeah. You oh, yeah. Want him... I, I don't even know if I'd try and trade him because I don't think you're going to get anything. I mean, go for it if somebody will pay for him. But I would rather, yeah, just get rid of him altogether. Have you ever just added a guy in on a trade just to get rid of him? For sure. <laughs> I have absolutely done that. It is there are certain players that you you know that you don't want them on your right. team, but you also don't just want to drop them to waivers. Uh, so Jimmy's not one of those guys for me, but I've had those guys where it's like, well, I can't just cut him, but I know I'm not going to use this guy. So I'll try and package him. It's like a fourth round pick. I'll accumulate all of these random fourth round picks just cause, cause I know that if, if I can't quite get a trade done, like it's almost there, if I can just toss in a fourth round pick or two, it might be enough to push it over the edge. Same with these kind of players. You know, yes. I'll, I'll try and just toss them in there and be like, well, here you go. Here's that extra 10th point of a value. Get them off my team. Now, see, I like that. Um, I've heard a lot of people say, I don't value picks after the second round. Why? It could help you win a trade like you just said, which is a great point. Or when you're on the clock or it's on the clock in the third round and you want to move up, somebody might take those picks. You could package them together for something else. In the fourth round of my home league, I picked Darius Slayton this year. Great, great grab. Exactly. It, it ended up being a good pick. Although in another league, in the championship, he laid an egg for me. I mean, that is unfortunate. Uh, but in the grand scope of things with a rookie receiver, the production that he was able to give up right. until that point is just almost uncanny. And it's weird that nobody's really talking about it, but it's it's kind of huge. But I also think to your point about the, the later round picks, everybody says they don't care about picks after the second round until the draft is happening. On draft right. day, you will see guys who go, oh, I didn't expect this guy to still be hanging out in the third or whatever. And you will be able to move that pick towards somebody who just has their eye on a guy on the day for sure. Oh, I always have a guy on the when I'm on the clock that I'm like, yeah. I want this guy. And you know what? Yeah, I just said that. But <laughs> it's one of those things where, yeah, you always find that, oh, how is he still available? Oh, my God, how is this guy still available? Yep. It's just crazy. It, actually, I wanted to ask you something. When do you prefer to do your, your rookie draft? Do you like to do it right after the NFL draft, middle of summer, closer to the beginning of the regular season? You know, what's What's your preference there? My overall preference is to do it uh, right after the NFL draft. And I mean, okay. right after, like the, the week after is, is perfect for me. A lot of people I've heard like to do it before the draft because they feel like it gives them an edge. If there's somebody who really scouts college football a lot, you know, they feel like after the draft, everybody kind of has an idea of what the top tier is. Whereas uh, before the draft, it gives them an edge. I don't, I don't get that. I don't see that. So maybe I'm the guy who needs, you know, the non-edge of drafting afterwards. But yeah, I like to know the landing spots because it just makes all the world of difference, uh, particularly for running backs. I mean, it's just crazy oh, uh, what the difference would be if Josh Jacobs had gone to some crowded uh, backfield. You know, I, there's no way that he is he is that top three pick. Um, and so, yeah, I like to do it right after. Yeah, so um, in my home league, we actually do it. Generally, it is the Saturday on the weekend before Labor Day. So we pretty much do it as late as possible. But so one way to think about it is this. Um, you do it right after the draft and with everything that was going on. Me, Cole Hardman, is a high pick. Whereas by the time our draft rolled around, the whole Tyreek Hill situation was somewhat ironed out. For sure. Me, Cole Hardman was drafted later than what he would have been earlier. So I guess it's all just preference. I like to do it later. I don't like the drafting before the draft, though. Um, it absolutely gives the Debbie guys 
and Edge, I don't have time to watch all those college football games. I don't know about you. No, and that's the thing. You know, I, I spend so much time studying NFL stuff. It, it is. It's just I, I appreciate what those guys do and how they're they're able to do it because we need people like that. I, I use so many of those guys for references. Same uh, here you know, leading up to the draft. Cause I, I do value their information, but you're right. I just, I do not have the time to, to watch as much as you need to, to be good at, at that uh, part of it. Yeah. I watch, uh, I pretty much watch Penn state. I'm a Penn state <laughs> fan. And sure. I'm assuming you watch Wisconsin, right? I do. I do. Yeah. Okay. So you're a Badgers guy there. So yeah. So, but aside from that, like how much do you actually watch? You know what I mean? No, not enough. <laughs> not again. Not nearly enough to call myself uh, an authority on it, and and that's why the thing is, leading up to the to the rookie draft, really whatever time of the off season that you decide to have your rookie draft, I, I guess I I don't care. Whatever your league decides is is great with me. I like to just space things out because I get bored <laughs> sometimes during yeah. the off season. I think that's why I like to you know not have it right before the season starts for that reason. Cause I've got my redraft leagues or league. Uh, and you know, I'm always waiting on that draft, but I do like to space things out. So, um, I'm just trying to maximize fun. That's all I want. Really? Yeah. So you're not a big redraft guy then? I'm not, uh, I'm not anti redraft by any means, but once you get into dynasty and you're so used to doing things from a dynasty perspective, I found it does, it's a little harder to go back to redraft. It almost feels a little plain to me. Yeah, that you know what that isn't. That's a perfect way of describing it too. It's like when the season's over, week sixteen's done. You just turn your computer off and forget about it till next year. Yep. That doesn't work for me. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? There's there's moves to be made. There's a a team and a roster to build in all of my fourteen leagues. So, you know, or like, oh, the worst is when you actually put together a, a fantastic redraft team, you know, a championship caliber team, and then you just gotta you gotta wipe it away. You gotta say goodbye to them right yeah. after week sixteen. That also sucks. Yeah, it does, and that's why you know that's what got me into dynasty. I was looking for something just more, I guess. So, do you uh, you do any Devi leagues by chance? I'm guessing probably not, right? Can't do it. No, I would get eaten alive in a Devi league. I'm positive of that. Yeah, I did. So yeah, <laughs> I figured I'd try it. I don't know if it's for me. I I just yeah, you know, I, I don't think I could do it. I think there's a balance for me personally. Some leagues, and not even just Devi leagues, but there are some leagues out there that have such intricate rules. Um, it, it, and such interesting roster construction that, it, again, it comes down to a time element, really, for me. Uh, I, I don't have the time required for a lot of those types of leagues. I just don't. Yeah. And, and Devi falls into that category for sure. IDP, for me, is the same. I, I've had a mental block about getting into IDP leagues. I've been invited to so many, but I just don't have it in me. It's, um. well, I'm my home league is an IDP league. Uh, the league I almost won was a 16-team IDP league. Um, mm. It's actually not that hard, to be honest with you. You get most of your points with linebackers and safeties. So Fair enough. The, the linebackers are always on the field. Um, cornerbacks generally don't get a lot of tackles, so they're very interception dependent, whereas safeties will do a lot of stuff. Tackles, pass defense, interceptions, they blitz a lot too. So. Um, that's really where you get your bread and butter. And then you just got to scout well on the defensive line. For whatever reason, I can't put together a good defensive line play in IDP. So I I just can't. I don't know why. I just can't do it. But IDP is fun. So We all was... have our Achilles heels, that's for sure. Uh, yeah. Now, in, that, in those IDP leagues, do you still do kickers? So my home league has kickers, yeah. And um, my the other one does, yeah, they both do. So my whole thought process is this, and you could agree or disagree. I feel like in Dynasty, there should either be IDP or no defense and special teams at all. 
because to me the whole defense special team conglomerate should be for redraft because you're going to waste fab budget on it. You're going to constantly have to work the waiver wire. It, to me, it with Dynasty, it's a waste of time. What do you Agreed. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, every Dynasty league that has a, a defense for me, uh, it, it's always streaming. I, I'm never placing high draft value or, or pick high pick value on these defenses. Why would you? But you see it every year still. I, I certainly see it. Chicago, um, I actually sold off the Chicago defense um, for like a second and a third round pick this yeah, last why, year because people expected such big things again it's like you can't fall into that fantastic trap. that you did that yeah oh I, yeah i, love I loved that. it i love it <laughs> but you know year to year you're exactly right a, a defense as a whole it's such a moving beast it, it's not ever going to just stay the same year over year that it doesn't work that way you're talking about a collection an entire collection of guys not just one or two yeah. um and yeah so i agree it's kind of they are kickers to me because it's just streaming. That's all I do. I pick them yeah. up and I drop them week to week. Yeah, so, you know, with the the streaming kickers, you're spending a dollar. Yeah. You know what I mean? I won't put more than a dollar. But the whole thing to me for IDP, it's like, I'll give an example, the Colts defense, right? If they give up 40 points, you're at negative whatever. But if you have Darius Leonard on your team and the dude has 15 tackles two tackles for a loss, a sack, and a pick, all of a sudden, you're getting a score like an RB2 or an RB1 on the week. So, you know what I mean? It's just, it, it's another incentive. But yes, it's like Debbie, it's more scouting, it's more knowledge. Um, I just enjoy it. Sure, sure. Defense wins championships, right? That's that's what they say. <laughs> I've heard it. I don't know who coined it. But <laughs> that has to be said. from like the 50s, right? Probably. Yeah, I would guess so. I remember hearing it on a Madden game like a decade ago. So that's what I'm going to attribute it to. Dude, I haven't played Madden. I haven't played video games in forever, to be honest with you. It's it's seriously the only video game that I've played over the last five to six years. Yeah. Uh, and it's like the, you know, 2010. I'm still just rolling with, with all the old players that aren't in the league anymore. I, I don't, I don't uh, play video games, but every once in a while to unwind... Uh, especially after like a, a really bad loss for your personal team. You know, yeah. like if I watch the Packers uh, lose to the Eagles, for example, there's an idea. There's there's a perfect example uh, of when they can't convert <laughs> Sorry. four goal line attempts and they don't even run the ball. You just go, you know what? I'm going to fire up Madden, Madden and I'm going to correct this. In yeah. the digital landscape, I'm going to correct this. How do they not run that there, though? Because I remember that. And especially when you have somebody like Aaron Jones, who yeah. leading the league in rushing touchdowns, um, yeah, it's it stinks. I, I tell you, it stinks. <laughs> I just don't. I think a lot of times coaches just try to get cute, and they're like, "All right, we're gonna run." That's what they think. So we're gonna do this instead. No, you know what? When you have a good offensive line. You have one of the greatest quarterbacks in the league that could always get these guys to jump on the hard snap because Aaron Rodgers is great at that. Oh, yeah. You have a wrecking ball and Aaron Jones. Just give him the ball. Or give, or the... give it to Aaron uh, Rodgers four times to let him just try and lean in. You know, you've yeah. seen Tom Brady do that a million times over. It, it works. And Carson Wentz, same thing. Yeah, uh, exactly. These guys do this all the time. Just let him run the sneak four times and it's, he'll get it. It's so frustrating. Like, I'm watching the Eagles play, and Miles Sanders is by far and away the best running back on the field most weeks. Sure. But Boston Scott is getting carries. He's getting screen passes. And while, yes, I want to see my team win, that's great. I'm like, give the freaking ball to Miles Sanders. Absolutely. It's really frustrating. And actually, so I, I want to gauge your your uh, your opinion on this, if you don't mind. Sure. What is your thoughts on – trying to decipher bad coaching from a fantasy perspective because it's a it's a tough line you can have all the faith in the world in a in a player or an offense but when a bad coach gets involved it can make assessing those players really really tough especially on a weekly basis and do you give so, any thought during your draft or your trades to staying away from quote unquote bad coaches absolutely you have to. Um, 
prime example, if you were a Kenyan Drake owner last year and you know Adam Gaze was their head coach, they didn't use him right. Look at him in Arizona now. Yeah. The guy's a stud. Look at um, every former Gaze protege in the, in their new situation. They're all thriving. Devontae Parker is crushing it. Mike Gusecki, Ryan Tannehill. Yeah. So you do have to take that into consideration. Sometimes you have to be patient. Um, so one of the guys that I'm actually being patient with right now, although I think the coach is going to get it figured out, and that's uh, David Montgomery. Um, Nagy's going to do either one of two things. He's going to realize that Trubisky can't run the ball 40 times a game or throw the ball 40 times a game. They're going to fix their line, and they're going to start feeding Montgomery. Or he's going to coach himself out of town, just like Adam Gaze did in Miami. It's going to be one of the two. Montgomery's young enough that you could hold on to him for a while. Oh, yeah. But, that no, you're right. And I'm, I'm assuming that you you probably feel the same way, right? Yeah, I do. It's It took me a long time to get on board with that philosophy because everybody likes to think that the NFL, if you're coaching in the NFL, you're reasonable enough and you're going to utilize your best players and your best plays. But that just doesn't happen. So it's you do sad. have to stay away from it. And with yeah. new coaches, it's obviously very tough. You know, and there's been more new head coaches in the NFL this year than I can remember in, in recent memory, uh, which has made it extra tricky, or and new offensive coordinators and, and the like. Um, and so I think having so much data from this year for those new guys should really help going forward. Um, but also, I try not to put too much stock into the first-year guys. Um, obviously, there's a lot that can change, they can grow, they can get better. It's those old guys. It's the gazes of the yeah. world who are stuck in there, and you know they're not changing. Yeah, I, I agree. So, you know, speaking of changing, do you think Sean McVay gets it figured out? Boy, I, I thought if he was going to get it figured out, it would be this year. I, I really did. Because um, I, I know it's popular to bash on Mitch Trubisky because it's really fun, but he, he has shown glimpses of, of the quality that could make him a guy, you know, maybe not the guy, maybe not a stud quarterback, but seems he could be proficient. And especially when you get him weapons like Allen Robinson and Anthony Miller, oh, I love Allen uh, Robinson. David Montgomery, exactly yeah. like you're talking about, you know, you get him enough guys and it just seems like, yeah, Nagy can do enough with this, with this crew. Uh, and he just, for whatever reason, I don't know if he was overthinking everything, uh, trying to get too cute, whatever it was. I, I lost some confidence for sure. Yeah. It's a shame too. They do have a lot of talent. Uh, I was talking to a buddy of mine, Rish. He does the um, FF Astronauts podcast and he's a big Bears fan from Chicago um, or around that area. I don't remember. Sorry, bud. Uh, <laughs> and he, he says that they need offensive line help badly. So I can see that. It could be a part of it too. But I would think if you have an, an athletic quarterback like Mitch Trubisky, you should be able to scheme around that, right? Yeah, I mean, and I don't expect him to be Russell Wilson, but look at what Russell no. Wilson has done with terrible offensive lines over the years. You figure out good coaching and good players, you can get around a lot of those things. It might not always look pretty, um, but there are ways to get around that. You know, I hate Russell Wilson. I don't, but I hate watching the <laughs> Eagles play against him because it's like you watch a guy practically fall on him. And there he is running down the field, and it's like, what is going on here? Yeah, it's like he's amorphous. Like he just kind of, you know, slips his way through everything. He kind of compresses and expands at will. Like I, I don't, I really don't get it. I think we need to check him to make sure he's made of human cells. Well, and interestingly enough, this week Marshawn Lynch just resigned. So That's that wild. result <laughs> will be in by the time you guys hear this. This is being pre-recorded. Um, well, I guess all podcasts are, but well, they'll figure it out. But anyway, so doesn't that strike you as odd? Like, what's the point? What? Why? I know yeah. Carson's hurt and Penny's out, but they need they, bodies. They need big bruising bodies up there. And and Marshawn Lynch is. I just couldn't believe that he he passed all of the tests required to get back into the league. <laughs> That is a um, really good point. <laughs> after being away from the game for, you know, I mean, you know, I, I, I get that he was with the Raiders recently, but yeah, it, it was interesting. Um, and from a selfish standpoint, uh, 
I, I'm interested to see what he can do because I just love watching the dude play so much. Um, and I fun, don't yeah. like the Seahawks, but I like Marshawn Lynch a lot. So I'm psyched just to see if he, he can still hold up. You know, speaking of the Seahawks, I want to talk to you for a second about DK Metcalf. I want to talk about an enigma here. So throughout the whole draft process, the guy's a physical specimen. I mean, like 0% body fat. You all saw the gym photo. They're saying he can only want, run one route, this and that, blah, blah, blah. But he's looked like he's going to be a competent NFL wide receiver. Yeah, I, mean, I think so. He's got the, the tools um, that I think a lot of people didn't expect him to have. I heard a lot of the narrative that he's just a straight line guy. He's just going to take off down the field. Uh, running a straight line, and if he gets open, great. And if he doesn't, well, he's out for that play, basically. Yeah. Uh, but that's not really what I've seen personally this year. It's yeah, he's not a Larry Fitzgerald of route running, but he doesn't have to be. He's a physical guy. Uh, he's he's able. Yeah, he makes some boneheaded drops. You see that. But most rookie receivers are going to have those moments right. where the lights a little too bright for him. I get it. Um, but yeah, I think he has plenty of talent just pure raw talent to be able to next year you can look at a guy like that um and i can almost see like an alshon jeffrey for him in the future yeah. um, that kind of mode so i yeah another buy low candidate for sure yeah i mean if you can it's hard a lot of people don't want to get rid of the rookies too quick um you know he's speaking of which one thing that i like to do is um, I like to scour other teams' injured reserves because um, I feel like a lot of times you might forget about those guys. So you could possibly get some good value there or, again, like a thro- an add-in on a trade. Um, yeah, I got TJ Hawkinson when he went on IR this year. Really? Um, and a couple weeks after, I just went after him just, just to see, and it was absurd that I got him so easily just because the guy, and he was a contender, but the IR spot is free. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a free spot for you. So, um, but some guys just have that in their head. Some owners just have it in their head where they don't want to deal with the, the IR situations. And so sometimes, yeah, you can get a deal. Did he win the league by chance? Nope, nope. So, um, mm. you know, I, I'm betting he's wishing that he had him uh for for next year but he don't well, it's a shame i do it, it's a shame i hear that the 2020 class is not very tight end friendly it is not going to be a lot this is mostly going to be um running backs receivers a couple yeah. quarterbacks so now to be fair the guy that i got him off of also had noah fant um, okay he he went pretty hard in this last draft going after these rookie guys um, which, again, rookie tight ends, I try and stay away from like I do rookie wide receivers in that I won't give up the highest draft capital. I really, in my first round, because I, I can see myself becoming that impatient guy, I don't want to spend that first round pick and then eventually talk myself into you know, giving them up because I'm too impatient. So I'll usually go running back heavy in the first round for that reason. But um, yeah, it's... It's, it's weird, man. The IR thing, and this is uh, one of those things that I've started doing recently, just as kind of a little extra tip, maybe. Uh, at the very end of your season, obviously that's past now, but maybe if your waivers are still open, if you can go find the guys who are on IR who were dropped to waivers, and they may not be the biggest, most impressive names, but if you have open IR spots, go ahead and fill up those IR spots as much as you can now. Some leagues have like three. Fill every single one of them up. Just, yeah. just they're they're hand tosses, they're dart throws, but get them on there because you don't know the off season news comes out and all of a sudden these guys become a little bit valuable. Then you have some extra trade leverage. Yeah, I agree. Now I will say this: your philosophy there, running back heavy in the first round, that is so different than so many other people that I've heard in Dynasty because so many people are saying go receiver in the first round because they last longer. But sure. most of the time in Dynasty, you're really trying to 
operate in a, win a window that's only a few years. You're not really intending to have a wide receiver on your team for 10 to 15 years, are you? Not me. So I know there's a lot of different Same. perspectives just in general on what that window is that you're talking about. Yeah, I tend to play in about a three to four year window. That's uh, it's not all this year. You know, it's not exactly redraft. But people who play 10 years out, I, I don't understand that philosophy because there's so much that happens in the NFL in a given year, let alone 10. So I'm not, you know, banking on well, I'm going to uh, I'm going to draft this wide receiver because 7 years from now in their prime, <laughs> I'm going to be so psyched that I have them. Yeah. yeah, maybe, but in the meantime, I will have gotten five different stud running backs circling through my lineup uh, while you've been waiting on this guy to pop or not. Um, and and so I, there are exceptions obviously. Some wide receivers come out of the gate swinging hard or maybe they only take a year to get going. Um and I do understand the longevity aspect. Sometimes with trading, I'll factor that in, uh, but not so much with the draft. And part of it does come back to, I feel like there's going to be opportunities for me to trade for those wide receivers at a cheaper cost, you know, uh, hoping that people get impatient. And people have to realize, too, if you're at 1.5, 1.8, 1.6, you don't like what's there. You don't have to make a pick. You could trade back. You know, you don't want to overvalue a position of need. I mean, I I like to see what's on the board. If there is a stud elite wide receiver there that I think could help my team for years to come, I'm going to take him. But if I really need running backs and I got two first-round picks, I mean, I'll be honest with you, I have two firsts and two seconds in my home league. I'm almost thinking about taking four starting running backs. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I truly don't think it's a, it's a bad strategy um, for a couple of reasons. So one, yeah, again, what I already mentioned about the, the immediate impact of running backs, but this is a really deep running back class. And if you can scoop up some of these big top names, even if you don't need them all, that is a situation where a few weeks down the line, you can trade these guys too for, for bank. You know, if they really do click the way that we expect a lot of these guys to, then you, again, extra trade bait. Yeah. Depending on how many flex spots you have, too, it's always good to have players that you could plug in there. You need. Yeah. What is your thought on that? That's really interesting because I've shifted my philosophy uh, with, with flex spots. So, like, I have uh, one league that's two running backs, two wide receivers, two flex spots. Okay. And I have a tendency to want to load my team up with running backs because I like the week-to-week -week levels. They fluctuate less, typically, running backs as opposed to wide receivers, unless you get those real studs. Uh, and so I like to fill up those flex spots with top-tier running backs. Do you have any preference in that way? I want as many running backs on my roster as I can. Starting lineup, I should say. <laughs> for the exact same reason that you said the more starting running backs you have, just the better chance that you get when you know that he's the guy and he's going to be getting the ball, he's going to be getting the ball out of the backfield. It's better than taking a shot at, I don't know, Rashad Higgins. Right. You know what I mean? Depending it's on guaranteed how... touches. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. So, I mean, obviously Fanny's, it's always a question mark, but you want to try to get, as much of a sure thing as you can, if that makes any sense to you. Fully agreed. Absolutely. And a starting running back is always some sort of guarantee. Yeah, unless, unless their name is Chase Edmonds, and then all bets are off. Well, he did have a couple <laughs> good games. He did. It was just, man, he was one of my most frustrating guys this year because it was so tough to, once, once I finally felt confident, I felt like I was being psyched out. You know, the first couple of weeks, it felt like a fluke. Uh, those first couple of times, it just, I didn't want to believe. And then by the time I believed, it was over. And yeah. it, <laughs> so that's frustrating. Well, how many times have we seen that with running backs? You know what I oh, mean? Yeah. Like, hey, oh, this guy's going to be the guy. Or, um, who was the guy for the Vikings last week that was supposed to do? Oh, Mike Boone. Mike Boone. Yeah, what Mike Bust. <laughs> yeah. That was rough. Yeah. Um, my brother-in-law. He asked me, hey, should I play? I'm like, personally, I would play Kenyon Drake over all those guys, and he didn't, and he lost. No. 
and I get why he wanted to play Mike Boone. I get it. And I get why he didn't want to play <laughs> um, Kenyon Drake against Seattle. I get it. Right. But I just had that feeling about Kenyon Drake. I don't know. I think he could be the guy in Arizona next year. I think he should be. Yeah, if, if they don't make him the guy, I think that they're making a really big mistake. Because David Johnson will still have some sort of heft for trade value for real-life NFL teams um, who are needy at running back, and he's a little bit more of a name. He has a little bit larger of a profile. Um, even with the injuries built in, even with the dip in production, even with all of that, I think they would be wise to try and move him and just ride with Drake and Edmonds. Bring yeah, him send, back. Send him to Tampa with Arians. I've, I've seen that bandied about. I don't know. I, that worries me a little bit, only because Bruce Arians... His, I've started to lump him in with the bad coaches a little bit. I'll be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, his his decision-making has really left me uh, scratching my head a lot. But, um, yeah, I, the reunion could do well for him, I guess, though, right? I, I think so. I'm going to say it. This is one of the things I was right about. In the preseason, everyone's like, well, Arians never had a talent like O.J. Howard. And I'm like, stay away. <laughs> stay away. And I did see a stat that O.J. Howard could be one of the first tight ends in NFL history to finish the season with more tackles than catches. That is absurd. And did you see today, James Winston wants $30 million a year? Yeah, he's in the wrong uh, profession <laughs> for his talents, if that's what he wants. I mean, dude, come on. Get real. Yeah, uh, I mean, if if you're paying that's, him, 30, that's like, I mean, that's like five thousand dollars per interception. That's <laughs> that's ridiculous. He does love to throw those picks, doesn't he? Yeah, he's a big fan. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Oh, what did you see the chart? His leading receivers that scored touchdown. Third was the other team. <laughs> I don't know if he saw that or not. That was a pretty good one. No, that's terrific though. Yeah. And and so, Jameis Winston, I've I was high on him. Still, this offseason, I just thought there's a chance that Arian comes in and whips him into shape, and if he can get control of those turnovers, if he can really mitigate those, the guy can be an extraordinary quarterback for your fantasy team. Maybe not for the real-life NFL, but for your fantasy team, he can. And to be fair, he still kind of is, as long as your league doesn't put uh, so much emphasis on negative points for turnovers, he's still an incredible um, quarterback. It's just, it really is a longevity thing with him. Where is he going to be next year? Is he going to be anywhere yeah. next year? I don't know. What, what do you think the ideal negative is for an interception or fumble? Uh, I, I've had discussions about this a lot recently because my home league does it so, so weird. Uh, it's negative five for an interception. Wow. It's negative uh, two for a fumble plus negative three if it's recovered by the other team. So that's negative five in total if that happens. Uh, sacks are negative three. It's it's wild. Um, wow. And so I think the ideal though is negative one or two for an interception. You know, don't need to go overboard. It absolutely has to take away, but it shouldn't be such an, a negative. Um, fumble's the same. I think two or three for a fumble. All together, all in, whether they recovered or not, because, you know, the fumble itself, I think, should be counted. The recovery, that makes no difference to me. That's right. whoever jumps on it, jumps on it. You know, that's the recovery is not the the quarterback's fault or or whatever, you know. So, um, but whatever, do it, do what you want, really. <laughs> negative, negative five is something, though. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's, and that's why a guy like Jameis Winston, um, who was actually on the second place to, on my, my co-host Dustin's team. He had Jameis, he rode Jameis, but even with those drastic negative numbers for the interceptions, he was still able to win so many weeks because of sheer yardage and touchdowns. Yeah. Uh, it, was, it was nuts. Yeah, that's, that's something. Wow, negative five. Who would have thought? So, um, hey, Jake, anything else to add about off-season strategy before we get out of here? No, not really. You know, I, th- I think uh, just be proactive. 
Um, try not to be the person who sits back for too long during the start of the off season. I know it's a long off season, and I get that. And some people just want to take some time away to not even think about fantasy football. Um, but this is really the time of year where your biggest leverages are to be had, because um, so many people are are doing that. So if you're the one who's willing to just get in there and take a take a peek around uh, for the next month or so, try and do some of that analysis of your own team. Try and figure out some trade trade ideas. Uh, you'll be better off. Yeah, I completely agree. Take a step back, but not too far. You know, that's that's a good way to to think about it there and be proactive. That's all you could do, right? That's right. Yep. So don't and don't wait till the last minute to start um, scouting rookies. Um, this goes right. out to every other person. Well, not every other person in my league, but a lot of them. Um, come to the draft with your own draft sheet so you don't have to steal mine, then steal all the guys I have highlighted because it's easier. <laughs> so, well, you got to start putting out uh, a decoy draft sheet for those people, you know, and just completely invert all the ranks. Yeah, but you know what would happen? Then they would pick these guys that I didn't want, and they would turn out to be studs, and all my guys <laughs> would just get hurt. Because that's, that, that's my luck. And that would be the most painful thing. You're right. It would, it would be terrible. So what are you going to do? But um, Jake, thank you again for coming on for the second time, although nobody heard the first time except for you and I. That's right. Um, That's our little secret, that first podcast. And no, I cannot even send anybody the audio because I did delete it. Um, So where again can we find you on Twitter? You can find uh, the podcast at Drinking Fantasy, or you can find me at Jake Trowbridge. And you can find me at the M Bauer 85. Follow the show at Dynasty Rewind. You can follow Garrett at Dynasty Price. You know, we should get him to change that to at America's Sweetheart. Um, Shevin at ShevBoyRD, that's boy with an I, and Porkman at FFPorkman. So, till next week, everybody. Thanks again.